Greetings, dear Opposable Thumbs listeners. It's Rob. This is just a quick note apologizing for the sound quality of my voice in the episode. Taylor and our guest Kelly Marie Martin both sound super clear, but I was cursed with multiple audio problems while we were recording. Kelly was a great guest. Her project is awesome, and I think you'll really enjoy the episode in spite of me sounding like I was sitting in a garbage can. Also, we'd love to hear about the cool things you're working on in 2018, so shoot us an email through our site at opposablepodcast.com. It's really awesome to hear from our listeners, and we know you're up to cool stuff. And if you've been snowed under with other things, keeping your mind and body occupied with life's less rewarding tasks, consider this a pre-high five of encouragement. You can do it. Thanks. to the Opposable Thumbs podcast. Opposable Thumbs is a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks and talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. Kelly Marie Martin is our guest this week. Greetings, Kelly. Hi. How are you guys? My name is Rob Ray. I use the he, his gender pronoun. Uh, I run the Exoskeleton Art Space in Los Angeles and host frequent art openings and events there. I also run the Exoskeleton Newsletter, which is a uh, email i send more frequently than i did last year thanks to this podcast um and i'm a user experience designer at the nasa jet propulsion lab in pasadena hey it's yeah. official well wow. done new job yeah rad rob have have you read that book <clears throat> philip von zweck lent me a book that i ashamedly never read but about how jpl is completely intertwined with um uh, this sort of folksy interest in the occult. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, it is. It is. A, it, it, well, so there, when I got the tour at the JPL, there's a um, kind of hallway, which is like a timeline of photos that has, you know, various things. Mm-hmm. And they sort of embrace the sort of wacky past of the JPL. Um, uh, and part of that JPL is connected to Jack Parsons and uh, <laughs> Professor Von Karman <laughs> and uh, some other people who were, uh, uh, yeah, doing experiments with jet propellant and um, other kinds of wacky, wacky things. And uh, yeah, it, do- it doesn't seem to be sort of super glossed over at the JPL, but um it's sort of embraced, but, um, I mean, I think if you ask people, like, if you, I think if you use the word occult, people would sort of look at you like, what are you talking about? But, um, but, uh, but it, uh, I mean, Jack Parsons, uh, You can always edit it out. (laughs) Yeah. Jack Parsons did either blow himself up or, or maybe he was murdered in a, in an apartment in Pasadena. Oh. Um, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot of murders in Pasadena, I don't imagine. Or, or, or did it used to be a seedier place? It still is. No, it's um, Pasadena is a very fascinating place. It's very mm-hmm. old money. And because of that, it's very connected to lots of low down dirty shit. Yeah, like, well, oh, like, interesting. there was a super racist Christian cult, which was huge in Pasadena, like based out of Pasadena. Um, oh, what was it called? It was called... Was it called Christians? <laughs> yes, it was. It was. Uh, and they had like um, they had a um, 
really large, uh, what's the right word? Um, like auditorium and now that auditorium is like the pasadena auditorium or something like Mm. the whole thing has just been sort of i mean pasadena is very good at whitewashing everything into looking like everything is a rose parade you know yeah um i'll see if i can i'll look it up uh uh later but and like put it in show notes but yeah there's some there's some good weird cults and shit out of pasadena so makes me happy yeah awesome uh, I'm Taylor Hokinson. I'm an artist and educator based out of Chicago, uh, a CAD CAM evangelist, and I'm a he, his kind of guy. Um, and I'm Kelly Marie Martin. I'm an artist and a musician. I've been living in LA for over 20 years, um, hanging around as part of the Bicycle Kitchen, a nonprofit bike repair education workshop. Um, I make my way around town on a bicycle. And um, a fomenter of a square revolution of old time music and th- the third Saturday square dance at the American Legion Hall post two oh six. And I'm a I'm a uh, she he um, kind of gal. Yeah, nice. I'm actually referencing my tattoo, which is a tattoo of Crazy yeah. Cat. Um, Crazy Cat is this really right. awesome comic strip from the early 1900s that ran from like 1911 to like 1944. Sure. Um, drawn by um, George Harriman, who was um, actually uh, Cajun, uh, Creole, like half, um, you know, African-American guy who, who passed as white. And mm-hmm. he um, drew this cartoon strip that was um, a love triangle between Crazy Cat, Ignatz the Mouse, and the Sheriff of Coconino County. And um, he would, in one <laughs> strip of the panel, like refer to Crazy as like a she, and then in the next little box, call her he. And when he yeah. was asked about it in an interview, he said that he sort of saw crazy as a tomboy or a pixie. And um, I guess that's pretty much how I sort of see myself. Yeah, I, I remember so fondly um, finding, I mean, my, my parents were uh, and are pr- pretty square. Hi, mom. She she listens to this podcast, too. <laughs> but but, uh, but one of the one of the uh, ways that they escaped from that, I found in their book collection, a, um, a book all about the sort of golden age of comics and then the i guess it would be the pre-golden age of comics before the comics code really came in Uh and um so there were all these images from you know the sort of really horrifying horror comics and all the you know depravity that came before wasn't there something like in archie every single issue of archie they had to be shown brushing their teeth in at least one panel does that ring a bell for you guys Uh, that could be totally apocryphal but but yeah i really I, I feel like that was really um, a, a huge milestone for me when I discovered this in my parents' library, and yeah, I got turned on to uh, um, Crazy Cat and uh, horror comics and all that kind of original stuff. Rob, Rob, were you ever a comics kid? Was that your thing, or you were a skateboard kid? I guess I was some. Yeah, when I was real young, I was into comics, but I was into like not good ones. <laughs> and then yeah. in high school, I got into like kind of indie comics i guess mm. a little bit you know and the, and, yeah that that i didn't get into until college but i was into like dark horse and like there was some oh, other yeah. well they were comic. around all the way back then i think so i think yeah. so yeah and some other ones like there was this really cool comic that like kind of blew my mind called plastic forks mm. and it was it was a short i think there was only four of them and i'm not sure some friend of mine must turn me on to it in high school but 
uh, by Ted McKeever, I think his name was, but, um, but that, and it was like all black and white and like drawn, not like everyone was not like super ripped and stuff. So cool. <laughs> yeah. That actually made me think of, um, being because of the Chicago, um, th- connection that have you heard of that graphic novel? My favorite thing is monsters. Oh, dude, that looks amazing. I need to, I keep forgetting to buy that. Yeah. It's so incredible. It's, it's literally like, like probably, the most like kind of like masterpiece artwork I've seen in a long time. It's really great. You got to get it right away. Cool. So what yeah. do you feel about the decision in that piece to leave the, uh, the rule of the paper in the images? It or, works or perfectly. I... It works perfectly. I, I, I don't know, man. I just, the, the artist is so virtuosic. I, mm-hmm. I, I find my eyes so aggravated by that. I mean, I, I feel like, um, conceptually of course it makes sense but um it's a little girl yeah but 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 for me it's almost like um i don't know like someone giving themselves a handicap on purpose because they're just they're so amazing you know huh. <laughs> like uh-huh. I, I, I have trouble looking past it although i suppose the the cover uh does not include that that visual so yeah i don't know that's one of those things where from an arts perspective i totally get it but then from a personal perspective i have trouble getting over it mm. like I, I could see that but yeah and you know but she on the the whole pat like the cover on the side of it it looks like a notebook too mm. do you know what i mean mm. so it's like mm. the whole thing is like a notebook or sure. like one of those kind of almost composition books That's did the cool. did the artist uh what was it she had a, a, a difficult illness or do you remember what the sort of i think she like she couldn't draw anymore and had to relearn am i remembering that correctly I'm I'm looking yeah. it up. You guys. You oh yeah, because it took her a long it took her a long time to do it. That's true. She's so her name's right. Emile Ferris, and she's um, 55 yeah. years old and from Chicago, and the, yeah. the story oh. takes place in late 60s Chicago, and it's um she's a fan. She's like a 10 year old um, fan of um, horror and B movie um, monster magazines. Well, it's her wow. first published work too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and then so part two right. is supposed to come out this year. Cool, cool. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, Rob, as yes. per usual, we're uh, we're all over the place on our way in. But <laughs> I know. <I've>, um, <laughs> Kelly. Yes. Thanks for coming on. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, yeah. We, I, I have. Um, See, so you, you, you released a record last year. I did. Yeah, and I was Rick. curious. Yeah, I, yeah, and, and you also do many other super interesting things, like um, take photographs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also have been uh, painting as a late. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I I think of you as being sort of quite prolific, like always, oh. always up to stuff. Um, Thanks. Yeah, uh, and I was curious about. Um, I was curious about that, like just about like how you stay motivated, uh-huh. um, because I I do um, Taylor I'm on Kelly's Kelly has an email that she sends out and it's always like chock full of stuff, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, so I was curious about that, and I was also just curious about um, the you you put out like a physical record and did some touring and stuff, and I was curious about how that how that goes in like 2017 2018 like what that's what that's like or what that was like for you 
Well, let's just say don't quit your day job. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's very difficult. But um, yeah, I'm actually like staring. I, I practically have like have like a little front anteroom that divides from my bedroom, and I almost have like a wall of records, you know, dividing the two because I can't. I don't have anywhere else to put them. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I put out. I made 500 um, long playing 12 inch vinyl records. Uh, which which is like a dream come true, and um, I, you know I only made five hundred, and I probably still have three hundred, so I got to uh-huh. get rid of this. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean it's funny because you know it's that sort of thing where I think that it's always how you 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 see yourself, and and sometimes I I don't see myself in that way. Like I just and I think part of it is because of that outside pressure of um, the idea of success or the idea of you know, have you been recognized or awarded or, you know, do you have prizes and are you ri- rich, you know? Right, um, right. So, so for example, um, you know, I've, I've always kind of like uh, straddled the world of music and, and fine art. You know, I have an MFA. I went, I got my studio art. I went for to, or UC Irvine for studio art, which is how I ended up in Los Angeles. And um, I sort of have gone like a non-traditional route. You know, I didn't do academia, nor did I really pursue an exhibition career. But um, I think the whole thing is, is or a gallery like representation career. Um, but I just see myself, or I, I just know that I that's how I make my way in the world is as a creative person. So even when I make the mistake of taking a job again that I'm not <laughs> really that interested in or motivated by, like I somehow find a way to um, do stuff. And what happened to me as an artist was I, like about 10 to 12 years ago now, got turned on to old time American fiddle and banjo music and kind of like dug, like fell in a rabbit hole essentially. And that's mm-hmm. what I've been most, that's been my main driving force um, creatively. Um, and then with the the painting, that like I'm not a trained painter at all. You know, as an as an artist, I never had like illustration or painting in even high school. Like pretty much in high school, I did photography all the time. Uh-huh. And then when I went to grad school, I was doing video and sound installations. So um, so that's so so I've always like wanted to do that kind of stuff, but don't really have that knack. And then um, I was just going through a really difficult time in my life. And it was very, it was, I started watercolor painting and it was just very meditative. Uh-huh. Um, and then um, I was like, so having such a hard time that I, you know, decided that I should take some antidepressants and you're supposed to like take them for 30 days at the dosage the doctor gives you. And then you go back and they check on you. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, um, I'm going to make a painting a day for 30 days. And um, I call them my well, be- my well pudding paintings, you know? Uh. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and I just haven't stopped painting since then. It was just really awesome. So well, that's cool. So yeah. are you doing a painting a day still? No, or is it? No, yeah, that no, seems really, yeah. that seems like <laughs> yeah. really, that would really be, that'd be crazy. I'd have a lot of paintings, but yeah. This has been a, a theme in our, um, uh, in our conversations, there's a number of people we've had on that seem to get a lot of maybe enjoyment is the wrong word, <laughs> mm-hmm. but that that uh, participate in that uh, time-based or calendar-based limitation. You know, uh-huh. let me make a, a a painting a day, or because I, I think it was who's done the most? Was it a Ranjit? Yeah, I think Ranjit because Ranjit yeah. had done it once a day for a month for ten years, including a leap year. Am I, am I wow. remembering that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that, that really blew my mind. 
That blows yeah. my mind. Wow. Yeah, February is coming up. I wonder if he's going to get... February is his month of... He has a, a project called Instrument a Day. Uh-huh. Um, didn't he say that he gave up on it? Or, or, or that he you know put it to bed to put it nicer? He Well, he's done it. I mean, he did it... I think he did it this year. I don't know. Let's see. Instrument a Day. So, Rob, I think we better we better look at some inventions. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. And which is kind of weird because I guess I'm first. Yep. I uploaded a little wee thing for you guys on the Slack channel. It looks like there's mm-hmm. four, four images. images. Yep. So um, the first one is a close-up of um, what looks like a drill press that um, the little, the whatchamacallit, has broken off, and it's uh, suspended above a little cube of metal. Yeah, that might be a, a mill light. bit. Oh, that's right. A drill bit? A mill, a mill, a mill, mill bit? I don't know. I think that's what that's called. Like a, like a mill, which drills kind of both sideways and left and right. Hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but yeah, it's, it's very highly illuminated and very shiny. It's a very yeah. industrial-looking photo. Yes. And I love how close up it is. Ah! And number two is, a, is an animated GIF that is Taylor milling a piece of either steel or aluminum. Uh, and he's sort of cranking the mill. As I understand it, a mill sort of lets you cut on the X and Y axis, I guess also on the Z axis too, uh, huh. by cranking the, the, the bit sort of stays mostly in one place and you sort of move the, the uh, flat part where your stock is held back and forth and uh, left and right. And so, and this is what Taylor looks to be doing. And he's very yeah. good the safety bit. Good on you with the safety glasses. Yep. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, Image number three is um, Perma Blue Liquid Gun Blue, a little teeny tiny bottle, it looks like, because it's also close up. Because actually, I'm reading that container as a paper cup, but it might be, yeah. in terms of scale, it might actually be a waste bucket. <laughs> so, so then I'm kind of I'm thrown off by the scale, which makes me giggle. Yeah. Like the the angle does make it weird. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> fourth image we have what looks to be wow. a milled piece of steel um sort of rectangular cube but like long long in the up and down direction so maybe we don't have a lot of reference uh for for scale but it looks to be you know sort of based on the other images i'd say it's probably like an inch and a half wide by an inch and a half deep and maybe three or three and a half inches tall. Yeah, I I, I, I'd actually, I, I 100% agree with that. And it, and it just makes me look, um, think of the monolith from, um, space. Odyssey yes. For sure. Yes. Yeah. 2001 for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so this one, yeah, I, I think that I did not really, give a lot of information about application and so forth, but that was just to paint the visual. So yeah. you guys are really close on scale. It's about 
one by one by two inches, and it's actually aluminum instead of steel. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, sh- shiny and silver, and you can't really tell from the pictures. But so, uh, ever since becoming a dad, I've definitely been thinking that I should probably get my act together when it comes to eating correctly. <laughs> so, which I think I was pretty good at before becoming a dad. But man, I've just been I've just been eating like a sub bachelor you know like a uh-huh. like a college student finding pizza stuck to the bottom of their couch and just eating it or whatever <laughs> oh, God. Um, j- just to survive you know so i was thinking about um something i've done in the past that's worked for me before i was a parent which was to come up with a really really simple rule system for eating correctly mm-hmm. and and that involved just um serving myself whatever i wanted but then uh, eating literally half of what was on the plate huh. in, in many, in many cases, just sort of digging with my spoon until kind of like, um, uh, you know, close encounters of the third kind, I, I'd have like a perfect sculptural division, you know, on my plate. Mm-hmm. And then I would just wait for half an hour. And if I was still hungry, I would eat the rest of it. And it was, it was super effective for oh, me, you know, cause it was yeah. so simple. Yeah. Um, so in, in this case, I was thinking about with click training, uh, I kept on right after the new year trying to say to myself, you know, whenever I would just be wandering by a bag of chocolates and eating them or whatever, <laughs> every time, every time I would tell myself, don't do that. You, you know, I, I think anyone who's been in a stressful position, whether it's parenting or any, any number of other things, you know, how, how stressful it is to make a decision over and over again, right. To make choices. Mm-hmm. And so the idea with this little thing was just every time that I decided not to eat something. Um, I would just, I wanted to have like a physical object that I could flip over that would sort of, it would like represent, it would externalize the decision and be kind of rewarding in a weird way, even though all it is is a little weighted cube that you're just changing the orientation on. Yeah, that's cool. Um, That's really cool. it's sort of like worry beads almost, you know? Yeah. Oh, exactly. I was definitely thinking about, you know, ritualistic objects and, um, I was trying to use gun blue. So, so my buddy Megan, who uh, who works in the uh, the shop at the school where I work at Columbia College, she was telling me about gun blue, which is usually used for for actual guns, right? So you you paint it on steel, and it leaves behind um, a very a very light patina that's an anti rust, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And so she was using it in jewelry on brass and copper and things like that. Uh, so I, I had some around and I hoped it worked on aluminum. It did absolutely nothing to aluminum. Oh, wow. <laughs> Too bad. So, so I stuck it in there and just, so, so I just had to, you know, originally it was going to be like a two-tone block that would have a dark side and a light side. But in oh. this case, it's just, and I, I, I kind of like it better in this way because it's totally neutral and it's, it's entirely, um, uh, representative of like, you know, here's the physical, like, here's a way to, um, take a decision that doesn't feel very rewarding because it's entirely in your head and just to give it some kind of physical output. Mm -hmm. So that was the, I see. So you're going to use the gun blue to sort of colorize one of the ends. Mm -hmm. I see. So, so you'd have a sort of blue side, blue end on one side and a silver end. That's cool. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. And oh. the other thing I'll I'll share with you guys. Oh, and uh, I, I'm sorry, Kelly. Were you going to add something? Oh, I was going to say you were going to put the blue on the square ends, not the long ends. I I think the idea was to take it standing up vertically, you know, yeah. monolith wise, mm-hmm. like you said, and then to float half of it in the gun blue so that it would be 
like a black cube stacked on a silver cube or vice oh, versa. Oh, yeah. Cool. I get it. Yeah, that, that would be um, great. Yeah, so that it just didn't happen to work out uh, with the <laughs> chemicals I had. But then there's also, as I want to do this sort of overly complex version of this, if you take a look at this link I put up on um, our Slack channel, so this is a project I've been working on with Nick uh, Bontrager, who was one of our previous guests. And we've been playing around with this little board called an ESP32, which is a chip that um, can do both Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. And it's a little tiny, it's like a like the size of a stick of gum or something, maybe a little larger. This is something else I've been kind of experimenting with at the same time uh, So that Nick and I were working on. And it's it's a little board that can communicate something up to a service called ThingSpeak, which is really interesting. So, so ThingSpeak can collect data for you and automatically map it over time, or you know whatever sort of intervals that you're picking. So in this case, the little board sitting in my studio just reports to ThingSpeak whenever it's plugged in what the um, strength of the Wi-Fi network is it's connected to. Huh. But I was thinking if it was going to be really techy. I could make one of these little boards with a battery and a button, and then every time I was not doing something, because the you know the plan is all about deciding to not do things as opposed to the active doing things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in, in that case, I could press this little electrified device, and then it would actually map you know how many times per day and when I was making these decisions. Huh. Um, so that's mostly fleshed out. If you click through the website, there's a GitHub link that lays all that out, essentially, except for the button press. But then when it comes down to it, I think that's just way overcomplicated. <laughs> Once I made my little aluminum thing, you know, it's not battery powered. I can stick it in my pocket. And then it's just, it, so it works a lot better because it doesn't include all this nonsense. Yeah. So. Uh, word. Well, anyway, yeah, I, I feel like normally the, uh, the stuff that we talk about is so much more complicated, but this one is, is one of those bubs, your uncle kind of things like. So, uh, Kelly, you've got an audio file for us to check out. Is that right? Yes. There's a title card called Quick Train, and it is... Uh, cool triangular wooden box, and I have a guess about what that is. Someone guess it, what it's I think a it is, which yeah. is a metronome. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Which you is uh, yeah, which is awesome. And as a musician, uh, the clicking of the metronome is a, a totally excellent click training device. Now that I, <laughs> I think about it, yeah, yeah. Um, and it says click training, and it, it has a really nice seventies vibe. It's like orange and brown. Uh, and the Meshram has a super occult-looking tuning fork hair. Yeah. Weird the graphic on the yeah. front, which is really cool. And I've always wanted a metronome, even though I feel like I, I would I don't need one for any sort of music making. I just like that they exist. Didn't the person in Seven or someone, the film, wasn't there some detective who was like really intense and who would just turn a metronome on <laughs> as some sort of soothing device? Well, you know, what's funny is that um, I'll, I'll tell you after you l- listen to the piece, but they're in the, that TV show Goliath. There's the bad guy uses a clicker. Oh, really? Yeah. But which I didn't know until t- yes, like last night. It's like an old uh, analog metronome where you can see on the right hand side, there's a little wind up key. And um, 
I should have taken a photo. I can I can take a photo and send it to you of the what you, you when you take off the little brown wooden covering. Yeah. Um, what you see inside, and um, it, it's like these old school metronomes that are really fun to look for on eBay. That's cool, and it's um yeah, so it's spring wound sort of thing. You crank, you turn the crank, and that sort of winds it up. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. And the little metal bar that gives gives the time has um like basically a little slider of metal like a weight on it that makes it a pendulum uh-huh. to adjust the, the tempo. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So Rob, shall we start the, uh, the title of the audio track is little giver of shivers. Yes. <laughs> shall we start it, uh, on a three, two, one or something? Yeah. Okay. Uh, three, two, one, play. Uh-huh. Here's a metronoming. Yeah. I I like how uh, I associate with this type of music, um, you know, you know the famous uh, treble versus bass debate. <laughs> but this one, this one got fat bottomed real quick. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah, some kind of animal noises. Yeah. It's like a cartoon forest. With... Rob, are we ruining it by talking during it? Yeah, maybe we should just be quiet. <laughs> I was like, maybe I should be listening at the same time. <laughs> uh, Clicks are lines. Little quivers. Little quivers sound, sound direction. Corrections. Corrections. Shiver, shiver givers. Aim. Small, small, small slivers. That was super cool, man. Yeah. Thanks. I 
and it really, I mean, it fits the format too, of course, because you know uh, the audience has just as much information as we do right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Rob, how would you just start to list all of the uh, uh, formal components that you encountered there? Oh, there's um, there's a lot to it. There was definitely some delay components in there that I felt like I was hearing a lot of like hearing a sound and then hearing it back again, sort of uh, on a loop. And it was very otherworldly to me. Like it had um, like sort of space transmission and forest. Uh, it was spooky. And uh, uh, in the way that the forest and space transmissions can be. Um, and also seemed sort of... Um, ominous all, like all of the parts seemed very ominous except for Kelly which was this sort of nice uh, kind of friendly voice in, in the mix <laughs> of, of what felt uh, fairly threatening except for when she said go I, I, I found that very violent uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I think that um, I kept trying to read into the actual recognizable words as well and I feel like because the metronome and and the way in which this did or did not satisfy a regular time signature um, <laughs> yeah. seemed to be important. Uh, that made me wonder then if the shiver was, uh, you know, it's it's something that's also repetitive behavior and a sort of rhythmic behavior. And so I'm trying to find a way to put those two together, but I'm not, I haven't quite figured it out yet. Nailed it down. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I was curious. I So I remember distinctly hearing the metronome at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But then I couldn't remember if it stays on or not. Okay, I'm sure you, you do remember that. Um, it came a, back, for sure. Yeah. The metronome, the wooden metronome is on the whole time. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that sound really got integrated into the like, palette of other sounds. I think of a click track or like a metronome as like being this sort of um, almost like a guidepost that the musician uses, but isn't often the recording. But I totally uh-huh. like lost it. Like it didn't feel like that at all mm-hmm. in this track, which was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was really nice that um, there didn't really seem to be any classic instrumentation. Yeah, that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So everything. I mean, it's certainly red is really musical, and of course, the voice is musical, sort of no matter what. Mm-hmm. But everything that there were a lot of identifiable things, but not identifiable as conventional uh, music making devices, which is yeah, really satisfying. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Kelly, what do you, um, what do you want to tell us about the track? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're hitting on all the things. I mean, the main, the funny thing is that like I was saying that Sarah, the one who was the week before or the time before Chris, like just uh, the way she was talking and um, the like technological connection and the fact that like you guys are both techie like I have this habit of you know wanting to perform and and do the right thing and so I had gotten the challenge before I was listening to her um her her um session and so I was like oh click training that must be some sort of like out there like app or something you know oh, like, yeah. uh-huh. in my mind and so so I was like well God, what do I think about click training? Like, what does that mean exactly? And so I started, and then I was thinking about Trump and, um, and then, you know, po- like wanting to be political. And so I was like, 
I was like, well, you know, click training is also sort of like the way that kind of sounds could sort of like train your behavior. And this was even before connecting it to the dog. And so I was thinking about how people of color um, might be sort of trained by the sound of like handcuffs or prison doors, because that's something that happens to some, you know? And so, uh-huh. so, but then when you, then when I heard Chris's piece and I, and he clearly said, and it's like click training is a thing that has to do with dogs. I did not at all want to make that association. And so, um, so then, uh, so then I went back to what I was also thinking about, which is that as a musician and someone who's been recording in uh, programs, like I, I've never recorded using a click track. Like, uh, like I use my, I use my metronome sometimes to practice, but um, for recording, I've, I never have used like laid down a beat or laid down my guitar using a click track. So then I just started to sort of think about all the kind of click sounds that kind of make you like a clicker would make a dog work. And so like, that's why you hear like the little um, uh, ding of like a, a message service thing, because I feel like we're click trained by our telephone sounds, you know? And so and I just kind of, sound in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I just started to collect all these little sounds. And uh, so I just sent you guys on the Slack um, thing, a, a link to freesound.org, which uh-huh. is a source for free sounds and one of the sounds that's in there that's kind of like a bass in, in the middle is uh, this NASA public domain sound from oh. um, space missions. And um, so and then, so I basically just used that. And then I got like these frog, like when you put, if you put the word click training into search sounds, um, you know, all kinds of stuff comes up. And so, you know, I, I definitely wanted to have some telegraph sounds or Morse code. Um, and let's see what else is there in there. Um, so there are at the very end, there's like handcuffs clicking and, uh, you know, a door gate closing, but I kind of like did my own kind of inside joke at the very beginning where I laid down, I, it starts with a click track and then I laid down a beat, you know, to the click track yeah. to show, Hey, I, I can, I can click train, <laughs> yep. you know? Yep. <laughs> and then there's yep. the actual sound of the dog, the click training dog clicker. Because there's a whole like, there's a whole like YouTube culture of YouTube videos yes. about how to click train your dog. Awesome. Yeah, that yeah. was a really, um, I don't know, a, a convincing landscape. I was, I was completely sucked into it right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's really cool. Yeah. Should I upload my file? Yeah. Do it, my man. All Bring right. up the rear if you would. Okay, so on the first one, it looks like a, a screen grab from a website, yeah. uh, bminder.com, and it says, uh, you've successfully signed up. Bminder is about tracking goals, and uh, goals start with a $0 pledge. Hmm. Rob, this has been an interesting, it, it, this looks like it's going to relate to a number of other things that you've done. <laughs> uh forcing yourself to engage. (laughs) Uh, Kelly, what do you see next? So it says commit to at least four lagging creative totos per month. What are your units for this goal? Lagging creative totos? Start this goal with extra leeway. Continue. So lagging creative totos is all, right? Yes, to do. Oh, to do's. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the uh, 
That's the West Coast coming yeah. out. Yep. That's living in Los Angeles. <laughs> totally. Yeah. totally. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, Embarrassing. I put a space in there. <laughs> yeah. <Sorry>. Awesome. <laughs> Because you, you and I have definitely talked about, and we talked about in the last episode, um, the anxiety around and the attempts at uh, forcing ourselves to be more productive. Mm-hmm. And certainly, one of the first things you asked Kelly was, "Oh, how, how are you so productive?" Yeah. <laughs> so this is all, all in keeping with that, uh, with that theme. I'm looking at image three, and I see what looks like uh, it's a close-up shot, shot on Rob's hand. I assume it's Rob's hand, and he seems to have a really ancient capacitor, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, yeah, cool. I can't tell what the tiny. rating is. Um, I assume it's uh, it's it's like a can type with an axial uh, axial leads. And then the, the fourth one is the choose your initial pledge. And so um, Rob Dead Tech is choosing five bucks. And increase increase the pledge each time you derail until the pledge reaches ten dollars. So that's good. You're giving yourself um, some financial leeway. <laughs> it's not like yes. two hundred dollars. So I guess the system takes Rob's banking info or credit card info or whatever, and then we'll be placing money somewhere. I remember reading about sometime way back they had an alarm clock that would do the same thing whenever you hit the snooze button it would like give five bucks uh, to the rnc or something uh, oh, uh-huh. um so i'm looking at image number five and it would appear that rob has either a piece of metal maybe it's like a um uh the cover for a lens a lens cap or something like yeah. that mm-hmm. but it's he's marking it with a punch uh in a couple of different spots that are off center yeah, I think I'm wrong about the lens cap. Yeah, I think to uh, me it looks like the back of a speaker or like a subwoofer. Oh, yeah, so now he's drilling onto um, – it's bigger. Now because of this photo, for some reason, it makes it seem bigger. But maybe I'm the scale is wrong. And, and now I'm sort of looking that it's like it's not lined with something. It's like a, a circle, like sort of almost like the, t- the underside of the top of a stool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the next image makes it appear that it's it's the base for a sort of little terrarium or glass dome, kind of like a um, like a cartoon version of a fishbowl. Yeah, or a snow globe. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. And, and so he's sort of taken this uh, old, crusty electronic component and elevated it by um, mounting it within this little uh, spherical vitrine. Yeah, and then the last image says uh Rob Dead Tech Creative plus point oh six due in nine days, three hours and forty six minutes, or pay five dollars. So it looks like he got um he got the he made you you meet you beat you beat the clock and got your first um totos done. <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah, keep those totos coming. <laughs> I'm gonna call it that forever now. So I <laughs> and then is do we have a hint there, Rob, in the optional comment yes. that said make Made Michael Oatman's gift. It's it's his gift. So so uh, Beeminder is a website that I had heard about a number of months ago. Um, it's sort of a creative project, which is cool. Like it's done by sort of creative people who who I don't think typically who don't sort of see themselves as software developers. And I think one of the the sort of original impetus was to get their PhD done. 
And so you pledge X amount of dollars per month. And if you, if you do your stuff, the B-Minder company doesn't get any money. But if you don't do your stuff, they get the money. Huh. And so it sort right. of pays for the app through people who don't get their stuff done. Right. Wow. I love which, it. Which is Yeah, it's a really cool model. And I'd always, I had thought about it for a long time on and off. I'm like, oh, I want to try that. But I hadn't sort of figured it out. But I got looking into, into click training, which is a challenge. I just couldn't figure out, like, I was trying to make my own clicker. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, I don't think... Like, looking at those quick training videos for dogs, I was like, I don't think... Like, I did look into it, and it looked like humans were trying to train other humans <laughs> with quick training. Yeah. But it didn't seem... You viable. didn't have a, you did, you didn't have an impulse to try and quick train Pancake? <laughs> yeah. Because I, well, <laughs> um, I thought about it. I was like, maybe I'll make a video of trying to quick train my cat. <laughs> Federico has... Our previous guest, Federico Tabone, has click trained his cat, and he he mentioned it. I think on the, on the episode. Wow! If yeah. not, I saw it on his Instagram or something where he had been click training his cat mm-hmm. to to leap, and it totally works. And his cat like flies through the air. Crazy uh, when he hears a click sound. Um, and one of the, but the thing I was interested in with click training is it's based on what they call operant behavior as opposed to uh, like Pavlovian behavior. I don't know what the other what that's called. But, um, so it's sort of about intentionality where it's not about like, you know, Pavlovian, right? Like you, when, when an animal hears the, hears the sound or whatever, it, it salivates because it, it's like, um, uh, what's the right word? Like, it's not, um, <laughs> I was going to say it's Pavlovian, but that's exactly what I'm trying to say. It's like, um, yeah. um, almost like as a, uh, unintentional response, right? Where, Mm -hmm. where operant behavior, I think is about intentional responses. So then I was like, what is it that is, what compels humans, you know, to do things Mm -hmm. or what makes them feel sort of, um, anxiety about not doing anything. And so I, this, so I made a gift, um, for an old professor of mine, Michael Oatman. And this gift has been on my to-do list for like nine years. (laughs) Good job, man. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's literally on my let's see, I have a I use Omnifocus as like my to do list manager and it's literally sat there and laughed at me for nine years on my to do list of like a thing I have to do. And I've even told him, like, Hey, I'm gonna send you this thing, what's your address? And then he was like, Hey, you said you were gonna send a thing. Did that ever show up? And I was like, No, no, it has never shown up. <laughs> and now it's been nine years since I've meant to send him this gift. So because of this podcast, I have now done it. That's so awesome. The gift. Yeah. Well done. Yay. And, and all, it, all it took was risking spending $5. That's <laughs> right. That's that right. hilarious? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So just a quick uh, summary of what the gift is. So he had done that. That um, capacitor is from a crashed spy plane in the United States Whoa. Uh, wow. that crashed in the 50s or so. Um, and I wanted to try to find the crash site for this spy plane and it was with some people and we successfully found it. And, um, I didn't keep that many pieces, but there was some really cool pieces sort of all over the place still from this crash that happened in, I think, mm. the 50s. Um, that were titanium and stuff, which is pretty cool that in the 50s there was titanium, but it was an A13 spy plane, so like a precursor to the Black Hawk, I think, or Blackbird. 
Um, but I found this capacitor and I was like, this capacitor. So he had done a project at Massimoco, which was an old spray capacitor plant um, mm. in Massachusetts. And uh, I found oh, I a thought spray- it was like a Nabisco cracker factory. That's uh, that's Weird. the other one. That's the, um, oh. what's the one in upstate New York? School oh, bar. Dia Beacon? Dia Beacon, yeah. That's the, that's the cracker uh, factory. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the spray capacitor plant was, was in Massachusetts. And um, he had done a show there while I was a student of his that I really liked. And he was a professor of mine, and I, he was really encouraging me. I worked also hard on the display that I found very positive. And so I found, I was like, oh my gosh, a spray capacitor. So I was going to send him, and I, and I am going to send him a spray capacitor that was probably built in the plant where his like first big kind of show was. So. Oh, that's so cool. Way to close the loop. Yeah, now you totally. actually have to send it. You realize. Yes. So, so, uh, Taylor and, uh, Kelly, please, uh, feel free to be hard on me as a follow up item. Make sure that I actually ship it. <laughs> I will. 100% dude. You better. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll say, I'll empathize with you from the day job perspective that you're, you're going to have to do it on a Saturday. I know. Isn't that, <laughs> that's yeah, annoying. It's a hassle. <laughs> Just today, I was looking for UPS stores that are close to my new work to see how early in my care open. That's so funny. I was at a UPS store this morning myself, and yeah. I had to—I basically ended up having to spend fifty dollars to mail a giant stack of postcards because Ooh. of my poor planning. You know? Yeah. Ouch. So. That was a really interesting trio. Totally. Yeah, we did it. Yeah, it's good. Nice work. I wonder. Yeah, the I feel like Rob and I often set, a, set ourselves up for these problems where we say, here's this idea for this thing that will really only be cool if I follow up on it later. Uh-huh. <laughs> Whereas, Kelly, you've made a completely self-contained item that yep. just did its job and got out. So good job. Thanks. But, you know, I mean, in your in your defense, um, you guys do have been, what, this is episode 23. So, Indeed. you know, in, and you're producing the podcast. So to do a project and produce the episode, you know, kudos to you for even doing what you did. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, it's just, it would be kind of, in a way, like, monumental if you, if you did, did it all. Yeah, thanks. We, we do try to find a way every two weeks to talk about how difficult our experience <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it does, seem, it does seem to shake out I'm, that I'm way. I'm rubbing the world's small, uh, tiniest violin right now into my microphone. Oh, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Great, Rob. Well, uh, yeah. I think you usually introduce this, but uh, we often like to sign out talking about things we're into right now, yeah. Oh, we, but we have one thing first. Oh, oh yeah. what's this? Kelly's challenge. Ooh, let's hear it. Yeah, so um, so I, I was I one of the reasons why I really wanted to do when Rob when you offered me the different dates, I I was the the one for this time was like, oh, this could be really hard because it's the holidays and you know um, very quick or whatever. But I really wanted to go into the new year um, making something, and uh-huh. um, every year on like within the first week of the year I try to sit down and um journal and write a manifesto for the year so so to sort of write like how am I going to manifest this year and then have it unfold and so um instead I thought what would be really fun because you um it's opposable thumbs and making things is to make um the challenge is dismantle festo and, and so is there like something like in your practice that you want to 
you know, undo or is there something in the world that you would like to undo? Is undoing something a bad thing or, you know, just what, what does that mean to you? So have yeah. at it. That I is like great. It. Yeah. That's uh-huh. so cool. Like undoing something with purpose. Which is yeah. A, yeah. That's really great. Ooh. Dude. Yeah. Kelly, that, that rules. Awesome. Too bad, too bad you already made the perfect thing that involved the dismantling of a funky spy plane and all yeah, that. You're funny spy, spy plane. plane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is now time for the what we're into section. Uh, yeah. So on the, in the Google doc, I put in there, um, have you, there's this really awesome app that, um, my bandmate turned me on to called radio. And, um, it's this app that you, it's a, it got a map of the world and you can, um, plug in a country and then a decade and it will play a hit or two from that time period from that country. Nice. Yeah, so it's like you can go back. I think I think there's even like you could go back as as early as like 1920 and see what you'd see what was happening in Mexico in 1920. Wow, that's cool. Dude. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah, killer. And it's just called Radio. They were the yeah, first ones to It's Radio with um five O's. Uh, of course. <laughs> radio. I like imagining them trying Two O's and then three, and that was the, <laughs> yeah, the first one. That, would go. Yeah. It wasn't taken. Uh, one thing uh, I've been into just as of today was I went out and finally sprung for some walnut. And let me tell you guys, oh my God, if you've just been you know cutting plywood, you're going to ask where this stuff was all your life. Really? Uh, yeah. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to go kind of like dig it out. And then when I was cutting it today. Um, so we're particularly sensitive to metal in the wood at, at the shop I work in because we've got saw stops there. What are the what's saw stops? Oh, it's um it's a table saw where if it hits uh something that's about as conductive as flesh, it'll just um a break shoots up into the blade and keeps you from cutting yourself. Oh, that's good. Um, oh yeah, it's 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 definitely worth checking out. The um but fortunately I wasn't working on that machine and I cut this walnut I bought and actually cut cut a bullet right in half. <laughs> I was wow. working on on this board. Yeah, it was amazing. I think it was like some kind of lead pellet or something. I I don't have a picture with me. I'll have to upload it. But uh so it was at once the best wood I ever worked with and just the weirdest experience, uh cutting the stuff and like getting bullet parts ricocheting off my cheek just out of nowhere. Uh, so I don't know if it's so much something I'm into, but just a weird thing that happened to me today. So there you go. Cool. That's so gangster that you got, you, you like Dude. got shot by a piece of wood. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I also really liked imagining the bullet, uh, hitting the wood and then just staying there suspended for, you know, 75 years or whatever it was, and then shooting out again and hitting me. I, th- I thought there was something really amazing about that oh yeah that's true yeah it's just been the trajectory's just been frozen in time for like Mm -hmm. decades Mm -hmm. wow wow that's awesome yeah yep that's a short story waiting to happen to it indeed i think it just did happen i guess yeah (laughs) baby shoes for sale never worn (laughs) oh kelly do you have anything else that you want to add um yeah i guess the only other since we're on a podcast i'd like to promote a podcast by um two pals um called i'm in the band and it's oh, cool. um the host is Allison Wolf, who um was in the band Bratmobile and Sex Stains here in LA. And uh-huh. uh now I think that band is Sex Stains is now called Sex Crimes. But um she she interviews <laughs> um like basically really rad punk rockers. 
And so there's like Danita Sparks from L7, um, Alice Bat, Alex, Alice Bag, um, and then they have a part a series on the raincoats. And um, oh, and cool. so the producer is the um, uh, friend and bandmate Jonathan Shiflet. Awesome. Oh, and it's on Tidal. And so if you don't if you don't have a subscription uh, to Tidal, you can listen to it the week after it's um, put up on Tidal on YouTube. Wasn't the raincoats Kurt Cobain's favorite band? Yeah, I think they I think, I think they were. I think so. I have two things. Uh, one of them is like a follow-up item. So Flyover Country is an app that I had uh, <laughs> mentioned before, yeah. which is, uh, yeah, yeah, speaking of Flyovers. Oh, yeah, that um, was last the last one. It's an app that is a, allows you to um, look at, like, the geographic area underneath your airplane <laughs> when you're flying. So uh, cool. Yeah, with some, like, pretty rich detail. And uh, I tried it out, and I just wanted to say two things. Yes, it is awesome. Uh, <laughs> but what you have the first time I tried it on my way out to my sister's house over the holidays, you have to tell it where you're flying from and to first, like why you're connected to the internet and stuff, and it will go get those maps between those two points. Huh. Um, and that way, it keeps it from having to like be this humongous app that holds all the maps, you know. Of the world. Yeah. And, uh, but if you don't do that first, you're going to be excited and be really bummed because it it doesn't work. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But then on the way home, I, you know, I realized that was the problem. And on the way home, I did it and it was super cool. Um, but it does use a mapping service that is going under, sadly. Oh. Um, So we'll see. We'll see what happens to it. But hopefully it'll keep going. Um, and then the second thing, a recommendation of uh, a dear friend and housemate, uh, Sandra De La Rosa, uh, a website called Fandor.com, which is a, a movie website that is a really great alternative to Netflix. Um, there's really great tons of indie movies on there, and um, they have a statement where they say, and I, I'm take another word, I suppose, that they're committed to the advancement and preservation of film art and culture, and they um, deliver a 50% revenue share to the film's rights holders, which is wow. much, much bigger than than other people. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And so I, um, had been, I've been checking it out. Uh, oh, it's Jared Leto. Oh, really? That's who, that's who owns it? It says he's the chief creative officer. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's really great. It's, there's a 14-day trial. It's uh, F-A-N-D-O-R.com. And uh, there's a bunch of cool movies on there that I, I couldn't find on Netflix, so. You know, on that topic, I just got turned on to Canopy with a K. But if you're part of a university system, uh, Canopy is yet another streaming service that um, a university's library. So, Rob, are you attached to? Is is JPL attached to a university? It is Caltech. Ah, so Caltech may have a may have a way to log into this. But yeah, with Canopy, it's like. All the Criterion Collection, all the PBS documentaries, and all that stuff as well. Oh, so that's cool. another one to check out. Yeah. Cool. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, good list, y'all. Yeah, we got some yeah, good stuff totally. in there. This is great. You can find photos of our finished projects over at our project site called projects.fiscalpodcast.com. We also have links in show notes, and we'll be posting project and other related stuff to our Instagram account. You can listen to episodes directly on opposablepodcast.com, and you can subscribe to Opposable Films with iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, and all the other podcast app platforms.
Uh, we'd like to give Nick Kantar and Adam Vanessa a shout-out as our top Patreon supporters. Thank you, Nick and Adam. If you'd like to join them in the League of Patreon supporter badasses, please go to patreon.com slash films to sponsor us. Uh, our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter, or religion, or lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment, and we want you to be a part of it. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Robin Taylor. This was really great. I, I'm a big fan of your um, podcast, and I realized that I don't have a sticker. Um, I really love oh, a sticker, but I got a, and, I, and I did I did in social media. So, yeah, where's my sticker? That's right, you <laughs> a sticker. Yeah. You're yeah. owed. I'll, I'll add it to my my creative t- my outstanding creative photos. <laughs> no, yeah, when, yeah. Oh my God, that's so funny. Um, yeah, and, I just. Uh, I guess I just want to say, uh, yeah, in light of trying to get rid of some vinyl records, if you're a fan of vinyl and you want a record, you can go and order one at kellymariemartin.bandcamp.com, um, and it'll take you to the release. And um, I'll send you um, vinyl and a download. Yeah, it's a great record. Oh, oh Kelly, what's your, what's your website? Oh, kellymariemartin.com. Okay, cool. And then you have a Bandcamp as well, is that right? Yeah, the, the Bandcamp is so where you can go and buy the music. Get it today. today. (laughs) Our challenge is dismantle Festa and doing something with purpose. Sweet. I love that tagline. Yeah. Oh, man, that one's going to be good. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Thanks, y'all. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of popular hate for that movie, but I, I thought it was the most refreshing one of late. Uh-huh. Kelly, your your thoughts? What do you think? Um, well, I mean, I actually was very... I, I really loved the first one of this last part, or this, this middle yeah. chunk or whatever it is. And um, so there's parts of this one that they're, they're a little more corny than I felt like mm-hmm. the first one was. But um, I just really love the ending with Luke. Like, I, I'm, I'm a real sucker for being sucked into sci-fi, you know, adventure like that. And so when he's standing and, and, um, and then it turns out, I was, I was stoked. Spoiler alert. Yeah, Rob, oh, have you, have you seen, seen this? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So the... So Rob, uh, yeah, we should we should drop a, a good spoiler alert sound effect in there. Yeah. Please. I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, I just put a big bleep wait, wait, over that wait, part. This is yeah. not the spoiler mm. alert you're looking for. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I just wave my fingers in front of the mic. So. <laughs>